Let us hear the word of God that we find it written in St. John's Gospel, reading there in the first chapter, verse 42. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Lord Jesus, open thou my lips that my mouth may show forth thy praise. Amen. Good evening, dear friends in Christ Jesus. I suppose some of us are saying, I guess God tries us on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday evenings with the weather to see whether we are eager and anxious to come to his house and to worship or not. But it's nice to see you here this evening. As I told you last Wednesday night, Ash Wednesday, what we are doing in this 40-day Lenten season, we are looking at some of the characters who came into contact with Jesus during his sufferings and death. We are imagining for the time being that they live again. We are saying to ourselves, if they knew something of our 20th century, what would their story be? if they were speaking to us. You recall that last Wednesday night, the character that we considered was Judas Iscariot, the betrayer. I know you're tired. A number of you, when you came in, said good morning, and I always assure you that you are very normal because this is habit, isn't it, that we say good morning because we usually come to church in the morning. I hope you're relaxed. And for the moment, let's think of another character who will be standing before us, who will tell his story. I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, if someone would ask me, besides Christ, uh, which of the characters that were close to Jesus that Holy Week would you most like to know and to become more acquainted with, I think my answer would be uh, Simon Peter. I wonder if it wouldn't be yours too. And I suppose I would answer that because to me, he was oh so wonderfully human. He was, he was so much like I am. I like to think of Simon Peter, oh, he was a leader. He was an impulsive man. He, he spoke a lot of times when he should have been listening. You know that. He got his foot in his mouth any number of times because he, he spoke first and then he, he thought later. We think about Simon Peter as being so impulsive. He was such an impetuous man. He just would rattle off the mouth and sometimes not even know whether he was making sense. And because you and I do the same things, uh, we rather like him, don't we? He was a, a leader. I like to think of Simon Peter when we turn to the Gospels that whenever the twelve are mentioned, he's always mentioned first. He was a born leader. He was a, a very friendly man. He belonged to the inner circle, you know, too. When Jesus had the three, you know, Peter, James, and John, uh, they're mentioned seven times in the Gospels, and in all seven times, uh, Peter is always mentioned first. A lovable man, a man that made you feel right at home, a leader, but oh, such an impulsive individual. If 
Simon Peter were alive tonight and he were standing where I'm standing, perhaps we are wondering what his story would be like. I believe it would be something like this. I am Simon Peter, the denier. My name was Simon Peter, and my father's name was John. So that means I am Peter, son of John, or Peter Johnson. If you'd like to call me Pete Johnson, that will just be all right. I'm Pete Johnson, the fisherman from up Galilee Way. And I, I'm glad to see you tonight, and I, I hope you feel at home. And I, I want to shake your hand. Uh, I'm Simon Peter. What's your name? And perhaps you'd like to meet the men that are with me tonight. Maybe you've heard about them. There are 12 of us, as you can see. I'd like to introduce you to them so uh, that you'd feel at home with my companions and with myself. This first man here, uh, you may wonder who he is. He's, you notice he's a rather tall, lanky individual. Uh, he's James the Greater. His father's name was Zebedee, and we call him James the Greater because he was a lanky, tall individual. And uh, in contrast, next to him, you see the, the next man, the second man, uh, he's James the Less. Uh, he's the shorty James in our group. Uh, his father's name was Alpheus. So we call one lanky and one shorty. I'm sure you'd like to know them. These are our two Jimmies. This is James the Greater and then James the Less. And then the next man over here, his name is John. I know you know something about him. This is John, the beloved disciple. And the next man over there, uh, we call him Jude. Uh, you may have heard several names for him. Uh, sometimes we call him Labius, and sometimes we call him Thaddeus. A mighty nice man. I'd like to have you know him too. That's Jude. And next to him is the man by the name of Judas, he is from Karyoth. I think you have heard about him in the past. And next to him is uh, a man that's, well, he's got the name of Philip. And uh, in the Greek language, Philip means a lover of horses. So we like to kid him about uh, being a lover of horses. And the next man over here in my party, uh, his name is Matthew. Uh, he used to be a crooked tax collector, and now he joined our group, and uh, uh, he wrote uh, a book in your Bible that you know of as the, by the name of Matthew. And the next man, well, his name is Andrew. I call him Andy. He's my brother. He's my brother. Just as up here, uh, James, this James the lanky one, and John, uh, they were brothers too. So uh, there were two, there's two sets of brothers in our group. But this is Andrew, my kid brother, and we get along pretty good. Well, the next man over here, his name is Bartholomew. Uh, maybe you know him better by the name of Nathaniel. Nathaniel. And then the next man... Uh, his name is Simon. He's a little politician. He's the zealot. He, he uh, has a tendency to uh, want to overthrow the Roman government. Uh, uh, he gets pretty uh, hot under the collar once in a while, but that's Simon. But we, we kind of keep him quiet. And the next man on the end, uh, his name is Thomas. Uh, we call him the twin. I thought maybe you'd like to meet uh, our party. And uh, as I have told you, I am... 
uh, Simon Peter. Well, I'd better get back and tell you a little bit about myself. You may wonder just who I am. Well, uh, I was born Simon, and I was born up in a little village of Bethsaida. Uh, it's located up on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. That's where I was born, and of course my brother too. And when I was a young lad, uh, we heard a strange story from some shepherds down in Judea. They told the strange story that they were out in the field one night, and they saw an angel, and an angel announced to them that Jesus, the Messiah, for whom we had been waiting for centuries, had come. And we heard that story, and we were told that those shepherds went and they found this Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior for whom we had been seeking, that they found him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Uh, I heard that story when I was just a young lad up at Bethsaida. Then years passed, and I never heard any more about it at all. When I came to about the age of 40, then I heard that there was a great preacher who was doing some preaching down in Judea on the banks of the Jordan River. And so one day I said to my brother Andrew, because we were, we were fishermen, but we were very religious people, and I said, let's go down and hear this man. Uh, somebody tells us that he, he's saying the time's come to repent because the Savior is going to come. He's going to be here soon. Uh, you can't understand what that meant to me. Uh, here, my people had been waiting nearly 4,000 years for the Messiah, for the Savior. And here, suddenly, we're hearing uh, that he's going to come. In your Advent season, you try to get a little bit of that expectation, don't you? And you get ready for Christmas, but you can't have the expectation that I had because you know you're getting ready for the birth of the Savior. You know that he came, but you see, in my day, we didn't know that. So my brother and I, we went down, and, and James and John, who were with us in the fishing business, uh, they went down too, and we heard this man preach, and uh, he was called John the Baptist, and he was telling us that we had to repent because he said that the Savior is going to come. And so we became John the Baptist's disciples, my brother and I, and the brothers James and John, and then one day... Uh, something happened. It changed my life. Andrew came up to me and he said, Simon, I found the Messiah. I've seen him. And I couldn't believe it. The Messiah, the Savior for whom we've been waiting, he's here. And my brother Andrew said, yes. He said, come on, I'd like to have you meet him. And so I, oh, I wanted to meet him the worst way. And so my brother Andrew took me in. First time I'd ever seen him. And you know that he startled me. He, I wasn't even introduced to him. And he looked at me and he said, Your name's Simon. And I said, Yes. And he said, I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to call you, I'm going to call you Peter. So that you may know Peter is a Greek name. It means rock. And he also said Cephas. And that is a Jewish or an Aramaic name that also means rock. Think of it. I looked at that young man about... 30 years of age, and I was about 40, and, uh, oh, there was something about him that I loved from the start. And he gave me the name Rock. Well, the six of us, we, we went with him for the time being. We went up into Cana in Galilee, and uh, we saw a tremendous miracle. He changed water into wine. And then we came down with him to Jerusalem and he, he cleansed the temple. We were with him then. 
And then he started to walk. We were going back to Galilee. We came up through Samaria and we stopped at Jacob's well and there was a woman at Sychar that came out. She was a scarlet woman and he told her that he was the Son of God, the Messiah. Now, I never, I never forgot that. Here was the Messiah and I was going sure of that. Well, I had some wonderful experiences with this Jesus. When we got back up into Galilee, it wasn't very long before a man came and said his little daughter was very sick and he wanted Jesus to come and to heal her. And it wasn't very long that uh, this Jesus whom I was following, he was going along to the house when they came and said the little girl had died. But uh, this Jesus, he took uh, James and John, he took me and we went up in the room where she had died and I watched him take her little arm and he got a hold of her. He said, young lady, he says, I say unto you, arise. And I saw him raise her from the dead. I knew then this, this was the Messiah. This had to be the Messiah. Then I remember one night uh, we were coming along and uh, there was Mount Tabor. And he said uh, to me, he says, Peter and James and John, he says, you come along with me. And we went on up on Mount Tabor. And I'll tell you, friends, I saw something that I had never seen before. I, I saw glory ooze out of his body. And his face shone as the brightness of the sun. And his clothing was white as snow. And then I, I just didn't know what to say. And there was Moses and Elijah. And I know that I shouted out, oh, oh, keep this. Keep this, Jesus. Let me make a tabernacle, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. I just couldn't help it. That, that's the way I felt, and uh, that's what I said. But I saw his glory. I just thought maybe you might like to know a little bit about what I had seen was when I was with him. Then I know you wonder, and you're saying, but, oh, Pete Johnson, how in the world could you deny him when you saw his glory up on Tabor, and you, you saw him raise a 12-year-old little girl from the dead. And I know, I know how you feel. It was a horrible, terrible thing that I did, wasn't it? I, I'd like to tell you tonight, just to try to explain to you uh, how I could do that. You see, here's what was wrong. I, I didn't know my weakness. Do you know your weakness? My weakness, you know, some people say the wise man is the man that knows his strength. I'd like to tell you tonight that I think the wiser man is the man that knows his weakness. A wise man may know his strength and he may accomplish a lot, but oh, you're wiser if you know your weakness, that you can watch less a tragedy might come. That you might do something and you're wondering, oh, Pete Johnson, how in the world could you uh, do what you did and deny your Lord? And, and I would just like to say to you tonight, I don't think any one of you here could realize what you might do before you die. What things, what sins you may commit that may surprise you. And you may say, how in the world could I have done that? You see, maybe you don't know your weakness as I did. Well, now I know my weakness. Here was my weakness. I was filled with an exaggerated sense of self-confidence. I was Simon Peter. I was the big fisherman from Galilee Way. 
I was strong. No one could ever get me away from Jesus. I had enough strength that no temptation could overcome me. Oh, I was cocksure of myself. Now, I know it's nice to have confidence. I know you talk about the power of positive thinking, don't you? And I realize that it's good to think in a positive way. But I want you to know that when you get as cocksure of yourself as I was, and when, again, you are so filled with pride that you think you can do everything and anything and that you don't need any help, I didn't think I needed any help, you see, from Jesus. I figured I was strong. So I, I want you to know how I could do the most shameful and disgraceful thing that I did. I was a man just oh so confident, so sure of myself, so cocksure that I would never do anything against Jesus. Well, I'd like to take you to the upper room. We went up into the upper room and we celebrated the Passover. When we got up there, I, I looked at Jesus and I noticed that he was very, very sad. You could see it in his face. It was, it was oh, it was a picture of misery. And we, we sat there in the upper room and he looked at us, the 12 of us, and he said, uh, one of you is going to betray me tonight. And of course, all of us, I was one of the first, I said, Lord, it isn't I, is it? And all of us said that. And then I, I noticed that John was leaning with his head on Jesus' bosom and I got John's eye and I whispered, John gave me the nod that he would, so he, he looked up at Jesus and he whispered, Lord, uh, uh, who is it? And then I thought I knew what he was going to do. He picked up a piece of bread and my Lord dipped it in the sop that we were eating and uh, without making a show, he uh, leaned over and he handed it to Judas and he said something to him. I knew then and so did John as he looked at me that it wasn't I. And uh, Judas went out. And then Jesus, oh, he, he was sad that night. He, he looked at us again. He said, all of you are going to be offended because of me tonight. And I, Pete Johnson, I looked at him and I wanted to reassure him. I said, Lord, listen, they may be offended. My, my brother Andy even, he may be offended. But I want you to know that I'll never be offended why, I'm ready to go into death with you, Jesus. I want you to know that. You see, oh, I was so filled with confidence. Nothing could ever happen to me. And Jesus turned to me and he, he said, Simon, uh, would you go into death for me? And I assured him that I didn't care what happened if death came that I certainly would never run out on him. I'd never be ashamed of him. And then he said something. He said, Simon, Simon. He says, Satan's trying to get a hold of you. This sift you as wheat. But he says, I'm praying for you. Then he told me, he said, Simon, he says, before the cock crows twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter, before the rooster crows two times, 
you're going to deny me and be ashamed of me three times. And oh, I told, oh, that could never be. It could never be. Well, we, we left the upper room, friends, and we walked and we crossed the brook Kedron and we went up the old Pound Sunday Road and uh, we went into the Garden of Gethsemane and I remembered what he had said and I kept telling him, I'm ready to die for you. And well, we were there and he was praying and I had slept a little and I, then I, I saw Judas coming with the temple police and I had a sword on my side. Now, I want you to know that I wasn't very masterful with a sword but when Judas came up with those temple police and they started to put their hands on my Lord, oh, you talk about being brave. I pulled the sword and I beat down and I, I just didn't take good aim. I meant to spread his head wide open, but I, I missed his head and I cut off his right ear. I was ready to whip the Roman army that night and I was ready to whip the temple police. I was Pete Johnson. I'll have you know I wasn't afraid of anybody. I was ready to die for him. This is what I told him yet. He had told me that something about the roosters, but I had forgotten that. But I beat him over the head to get his dirty, stinking hands off of my master. But they, they took him and they led him away and I, I admit I, I ran away a little bit, all of us did, but I recovered and I didn't think too much of that and I followed at a distance and uh, John was with me and we got to the courtyard of, of Caiaphas and uh, John knew the maid and he got in, they wouldn't let me in and I, I'll admit I was nosy, I, I had to get in there. I wasn't afraid I was going to stick right with him. I was never going to forsake him. So uh, John talked to the maid, and she let me in. And I, I went in that courtyard that night, and I it was cold about this time. And I went over there, and I started to warm my hands. And, uh, of course, all the time I was looking at Jesus, I could see him up there on the porch. And I was just watching him and thought nobody was paying any attention to me and one of the maids came up and she just asked me a simple question she looked at me and she says aren't you one of his disciples and lo and behold oh i don't know i'm so ashamed something happened i was ashamed of him when she said aren't you one of his i said no i'm not one of his disciples i don't even know him you, you say to me tonight, Pete Johnson, how in the world could you do that? And no more had I, I said, no, I'm not. I don't know that man. I heard a rooster crow. Didn't mean much at the time, but I heard him crow. You know, I, I don't know. I stood up on the Caesarean Philippian Highway one day, you remember, but then just the 12 of us were there, and Jesus said, Oh, what are men saying about me? Who am I? And we told him a lot. Then he said, Who do you think I am? And I remember I, Pete Johnson, I looked at him with all the enthusiasm and with all the common. I said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, I don't know, and here I stood, and a little maid said, Aren't you one of his? And I was ashamed of him. I was embarrassed. I wonder 
Have you ever been ashamed of him? Have you ever been embarrassed? Oh, I'm sure if your minister said somebody was going to attack your church tonight, those that didn't like your Christ, I'm sure you'd go home and get, get a gun and you'd stand here and you'd be ready to die. But do you know that I found it a lot easier with a sword if they had killed me to die for him than to be embarrassed? Have you ever been embarrassed? Your minister told me that he started a series of lectures Monday night so that some of your friends and his friends who don't know Christ, to whom you had said a good word, uh, that you might bring them. I'd like to ask you tonight, were you there? Were you there Monday night? If you weren't, I'd, I'd like to ask you, in case you look at me and you say, Pete Johnson, how could you? Why weren't you there? You say, nobody to bring? Are you telling me, Pete Johnson, tonight that in the world where you move, all the people you come into contact with, they're all Christ men and Christ women? Could it be, friend, that you are embarrassed to death when you are in some groups to let them know that you're a Christian? You're bantering around today Something that, again, has been said, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I wonder about that. I wonder. Is it this, that you've never come, you've never brought a soul, because you're kind of ashamed of him, that it kind of humiliates you in a group to let him know that you're a Christian, a Christ man, that you put your faith and your trust in him. Could this be it? That's what was wrong with me. Uh, are you willing to confess it too? Are you just a little bit ashamed? Oh, it's easy to say it here. But where you work, do they know that you're a Christian? Have you never said something nice? Oh, what a chance I had that night as I was warming my hands when again they were all of me. Oh, if I had only had the courage to say, yes, I know him. He's the Messiah. He's my Savior. I've got eternal life in him. I saw his glory. But oh, I was ashamed of him. Oh, it's horrible. It's terrible. He embarrassed me. He humiliated me. But oh, if, you, if you're so hard on me, how about you? Has there ever been a soul introduced to Jesus Christ by you? Or are you ashamed of him? Are you a little bit embarrassed? Does he humiliate you? This is, this is what happened to me, and I want you to know it. Well, I, I, I got away from there, and I, I walked over to another little place, and I thought, they'll let me alone. And it wasn't very long before another maid came along, and this time she didn't say anything to me. Uh, she just simply said something to those around me, and she pointed, she says, this man is also one of his disciples. And here I was again. 
Here I was with a sword. Oh, I was ready to kill. And this man is one of his disciples. Oh, what a chance I had that I again could have said, yes, I'm one of his disciples and I'm so glad that I am. But what did I do? I had said before I didn't know him and now I knew I had to say more. And I looked at him and I said, no, I'm not one of his disciples. And then I reached back into my background as a fisherman and I want you to know that in the fishing business, so often we use language that wasn't Sunday school language. And I cursed and I swore and every dirty word that I knew came out of my mouth to assure them that I didn't know him. Oh, I'm ashamed. I was ashamed of him. I was embarrassed. I was afraid. And yet, when I had a sword, I was ready to die. But oh... I don't know. He just humiliated me. I don't know how I could have ever done such a thing. Then I walked away from them, and I got away from them for a while. I went over another place, and I, I waited again. And then this time another maid came, and I was keep my eye on Jesus. I was watching. I thought, they just leave me alone. And this maid came, and... She didn't ask me a question. She just looked at me and she said to those around, she said, this man is also one of his disciples. His speech betrays him. He's got a Galilean brogue. And I did have that. You could tell that I was from Galilee because my language is a brogue and they didn't speak it that way down in Judea. And then all hell broke loose. I had to convince them. And I reached down in the barrel of profanity that I hadn't used for a long time. And I cursed and I swore and I blew on my stack. And I said, I don't don't know that man. I never saw that man in my life. And then the rooster crowed. And he crowed. And I remembered that my Lord had said, Oh, Simon, Simon, before the rooster crows two times, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to be ashamed of me. I don't know, friends. Oh, I'm so ashamed. And then, when the rooster crowed, I looked up, and there stood Jesus on the porch. Did you ever have anybody catch your eye, even when you were in a group? You knew he was looking at you. I, I looked up at him. He heard the rooster, too, and with this group, I knew he was looking at me. And he caught my eye. And you may think that in, in that look that night from his face that he was rebuking me. But oh, I want you to know, no. No, he, he wasn't rebuking me. There was love. There was mercy. When I read that face, I, he was saying to me, oh, Simon, you failed me. You've been ashamed of me. I've embarrassed you. But Simon, I forgive you. It's all right. I forgive him. And I, oh, I, I broke down. And I cried. Tough to see a man cry. But I did. I cried. I was so ashamed of myself. Oh, I, I didn't see how I could do it, but I knew he, he forgave me. 
But I knew I had goofed one of the biggest chances of my life, that I could have gone down in history as one of the twelve that stood up, wasn't ashamed. And though I'd, I'd like to say to you tonight, don't be ashamed of him. Don't be embarrassed. Don't feel humiliated. Just remember it could happen to you what happened to me. You sing a song, don't you, Jesus, and shall it ever be a mortal man ashamed of me? Ashamed of him whom angels praise, whose glory shine through endless days. He forgave me that night. I know he did. I'll never forget that look in his face. But, you know, I, I had to live with that for the rest of my days. I was Peter the Rock. Yeah, he gave me that name, Petros, Cephas. But, oh, you see, friends, I was a slippery rock. But as my, my faith grew and I became the rock, I want you to know that in my exterior, in my enthusiasm, I was the weeping rock. Yeah, I never got over it. You see, I had to live with that. Every time I heard a rooster crow from that night on, it broke my heart. In my country, you hear a lot of roosters crow. Your minister tells me that when he was in Jerusalem, in the big city, that the roosters, as they crowed early in the morning, kept him awake. Because even in the city, the city is filled with roosters. And every day as I heard a rooster crow, oh, I, I smiled. I was enthusiastic. But, oh, it went through me like a sword. Whenever I would hear a rooster crow, I would say, oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry. Really, I'm so sorry. Really, it breaks my heart. The peace of God, which passeth all human understanding, keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.